When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, another fantastic open from Mario Ruiz. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Lakers talk tonight. Uh, we'll go till 8 p.m. Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation is going to join me in about a half hour or so. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, we got a lot to get into. I want to spend some time uh, talking about LeBron's injury, when he comes back, what kind of uh, what what to expect from him the rest of the season. Um, Russell Westbrook, I, I thought that was interesting. His post-game comments yesterday really kind of opening up about his situation or at least uh, the way people have talked about Russell Westbrook all season. We'll spend some time on that. Uh, is Phil Jackson still involved with the Lakers in some capacity? It looks like he is. Will the Lakers make the playing tournament? Winning time on HBO. We got a lot to get into, so let's uh, let's let's get right into it. Um did get an update earlier today on LeBron James. So the Lakers send out their status report. So this is a report that's basically letting you know, at least for today, where the Lakers stand. Uh, they got LeBron James listed as left knee soreness effusion. Is questionable for the game against the Houston Rockets. That game's obviously tomorrow. Um, just my quick thoughts on LBJ. Obviously... You know, with 18 games left in the season, looking at where the Lakers are in the NBA standings, um, there is already no margin for error with LeBron James in the lineup. There's no margin for error with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the lineup. But let's just focus on the LeBron piece of this. Um, of course, the Lakers, as bad of a season that they've had, now sitting eight games below 500. If LeBron is in and out of the lineup the rest of the way, um, now you have a real legitimate chance, which some will say you already have a legitimate chance of not making this playing tournament. But LeBron missing any games, uh, it's it's everything to this Lakers team. And I'm not telling you that with LeBron in the lineup, they're 15 games above 500. Um, I know they're 6-12 and 12 when he's not in the lineup. I know you lose two for every one that you win when LBJ is not there. Um, hopefully, this is a short-term issue and LeBron James could come back for the Lakers against the Houston Rockets tomorrow, and then he could play out the final 18 games of this season and give the Lakers at least their best shot to make a run as far as getting in the playing tournament, and then from there we'll have to figure it out what it is. Probably the Pelicans on the road, probably a game against the Clippers or the Timberwolves to just then face the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Um, so we'll see what happens on that front. What concerns me about LeBron's uh, LeBron being out yesterday against the San Antonio Spurs this kind of came up quietly, and it also came up quietly even though Coach Vogel addressed it yesterday in the uh, postgame conference that it's not like the – remember they played against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it was at Brooklyn. I want to say it was towards late January, and then he couldn't play in the game against Philly, and then he couldn't play in the game after that. He missed four or five games, something along those lines. So my fear is that you know in these final 18 games that LeBron James – Plays a couple, has to miss one or two. Plays a couple, maybe misses one. Maybe plays four or five and then misses one. But doesn't that sound like that would be the norm? I mean, LeBron is such a freak of nature, but at the end of the day, you are 37 years old. You were putting up 39 minutes against the Golden State Warriors when you dropped 56 points. So we'll see how things play out. The latest update that we got, again, it was earlier this afternoon. The Lakers sent out their status report. He's questionable tomorrow against the Rockets. We'll see what happens from there. Um, you know, one of the things from after yesterday's loss to the Spurs, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the actual game. The game was eh. It was, um, it came down to the fourth quarter. Uh, Lakers, I think, scored 18 in the fourth. Um, finally got some defensive stops from both teams in the fourth quarter. And, um, Spurs hold on for the win. Lakers obviously playing without LeBron and Anthony Davis. And, and, you know, Russell Westbrook, who for his own, um, for his own opportunity, everybody kept mentioning Dave McMenamin came on the pregame show. Michael and I talked about it. Hey, maybe this is going to be one of those games where Russell Westbrook can have one of those performances like he did 
against the Charlotte Hornets. What was that game against the Charlotte Hornets? That's when Bron and AD didn't play, and he scored 30-plus points, almost single-handedly won the game for the Lakers, missed a three there towards the end. Uh, Lakers ended up losing that game. But Russell Westbrook looked comfortable. He looked like he was running things, and he had a big reason to do with why the Lakers almost got that game against Charlotte. Walking into the game against the Spurs yesterday because we found out an hour and a half before the game started that, oh, hey, LeBron James is not playing in tonight's game. Um, we were all trying to sell ourselves that Russ is, could have potentially one of those types of games. This is the game that Russ had. He shot 5 of 14 overall. He went 1 for 6 in the fourth quarter. He had five turnovers. And the games uh, and the Lakers now are uh, struggled from the free throw line. The Lakers now are eight games below 500, 18 games left to play. So this has been Russell Westbrook's season for the most part this year. Disappointing. That's the best way to describe it. And the Lakers' season so far this year has been disappointing. That's the best way to describe it. There's no other way to describe this Lakers' season um, other than that you're upset, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're trying to figure out what went wrong with the Lakers. Is there any any hope left at all that they could turn things around? You're kind of just creating these narratives, but the reality is when you watch Lakers and you watch Lakers basketball, it's been a really, really bad season, and it's been incredibly frustrating. At the same time, we look at this season, and Russell Westbrook has been blamed for pretty much everything. I think there's times where Russell Westbrook's on the bench and Malik Monk misses a shot, and somebody might tweet at me and say, well, that's Westbrook's fault too. Fair or not fair, the finger has been pointed at Russell Westbrook a ton this season. And I thought he did something yesterday in the postgame show that was unique. It was different for Russell Westbrook. This is not something that we usually hear or see from Russell Westbrook, specifically after games. He opened up. He was honest. He expressed how he actually felt. Um, He was upset. He was ticked off. His wife had spent some time um, these last couple of days, uh, Nina Westbrook, Nina Earl Westbrook, spent some time these last couple of days um, posting messages on Instagram, posting messages on Twitter. And one of the messages that she posted, and again, this is this is uh, Russell Westbrook kind of addressing as best as, uh, as she can, kind of what, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, uh, Ultimately, what she ended up saying was that they have had um, obscenities thrown their way, death wishes for her family, um, and and I guess you could say harassed on a daily basis over basketball games. So she, you know, added an element, and Russell Westbrook was asked specifically, um, and he said, "I I 100% stand behind my wife and how she's feeling." And then he went and goes on to say. When it comes to basketball, I don't mind the criticism of missing and making shots, but the moment becomes where my name is getting shamed, it becomes an issue. So there's a lot of storylines that I'm sure come behind this. Russell Westbrook specifically was talking about how he was the frustration of people going at his name, that he's proud, his wife and his parents and his son, Russell Westbrook. Right, like that name of Russell Westbrook that he's proud for that. Now people have shamed it to Westbrook, right? Like you've you've heard that a, a lot this season, and Russ obviously hasn't helped himself on the basketball floor. Um, but he said that for Westbrook, he said, for example, to me is now shaming. Goes on, it's shaming my name, my legacy for my kids. It's a name that means not just to me, but to my wife, to my mom, my dad, the ones that kind of paved the way for me. I want to put Russell Westbrook's comments to the side for a second. And I want to put Laker fans, however you feel about Russell Westbrook, however you feel about this season, I want you to put that to the side for a quick second. What I really, really enjoyed from last night's postgame show was Russell Westbrook opening up and, and, in my opinion, being as real as he can possibly be real. Because there's been a lot of postgame interviews this season where Russ is sitting there and he goes, well, you know, we just got to play better. Uh, I didn't have any expectations coming into the season. Well, we just got to play better. Where you just feel like he will not open up, that the wall is up, it's created, and you know LeBron might give you some details, but he's very calculated. He won't give you too many. Anthony Davis is very open. I, I feel like you know that's the one thing with Anthony Davis that I've always liked. Um, 
when he has a bad game, AD is going to stare in the camera. I got to be better. I got to, you know, I, I have to make sure that they need me to do this. AD has been very honest with the media and everything else. Um, I know, you know, some people won't sympathize with Russell Westbrook because you're only looking at it from a basketball perspective. I'm not one of those people. I do sympathize with Russ. I sympathize with Russ because, um, A, as much as he's had to do with some of the Lakers, uh, this, uh, how awful the season has gone, how disappointing the season has gone, uh, it's not all on Russell Westbrook. So let's stop pretending like it's all on Russ. Can Russ be a lot better for the Lakers? Absolutely. Could shot selection be better? Could his um, uh, taking care of the ball, his decision-making, his body language, there's a lot Russell Westbrook can control that has not gone, you know, obviously Russell Westbrook's way. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I always, and I've said this a couple different times, that I feel bad because you know how bad he wants to win and you know how awful the season's going and that every single finger is pointed at him. I hope we get Russ, who's opening up, who's being as honest as possible in these post-game interviews, and I hope he's doing the same thing inside that locker room, which we don't know because we're not in that locker room. I think Russ being honest with himself and being honest to the media and Laker fans and everything else, that's that's a version of Russell Westbrook I'd love to see more. And when I say honest, what I'm talking about is the wall is not up, that he's basically saying to himself, let me tell you how I feel about this situation or that. Again, Laker fans, I want to make sure that I'm describing this the right way. Russ's play is Russ's play. He has not been able to have one of those seasons. I just read you off his stat line without LeBron and Anthony Davis yesterday. He had a bad game. He didn't have a good game. And him hitting some free throws or maybe having some less turnovers or more efficient from the field maybe is a difference of winning and losing that game. But that's how Russell Westbrook has been all season. And he's had an awful season, and this has been an awful season for the Lakers. Give me more Russell Westbrook. The wall is down. I'm going to be honest with everybody here. The one thing I will say, that the problem with it, I think when you do address, like he said, I'm not going to allow people to say Westbrook. When you're going out on the road, uh, those idiots who – are going out of their way to either message his wife or, um, you know, like she said, harass or death threats and things along those lines. It's idiotic, and those idiots are going to be around in many of these cities, including L.A. Uh, it's not that that's going to be, you know, isolated to just when you're out on the road or something along those lines. Magic put out a tweet uh, earlier today as well. He said, Lakers Nation, it's our responsibility to come together and support Russell Westbrook and his family. Threats and attacks on the Westbrook family are completely unacceptable and will not be tolerated. There's no place in sports for this type of behavior, period. He also went on to say in another tweet, Russell plays an important role in the Lakers team and will be key component, will be a key component to the success of the rest of the season and the NBA playoffs. Let's do better, rally around the Westbrook family and support them. Um, you know, this is also coming off the weekend, Saturday, where Magic Johnson said, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, then the Russell Westbrook trade would be the worst in Lakers history. And before Russ opened up yesterday, I thought I was going to be talking about some of that today, um, which I agree, I disagree with Magic Johnson. I, I don't think it's the worst in Lakers history, and I'll get into that in just a second. But obviously you could see now a few people coming to the uh, defense of Russell Westbrook, as they should. This whole season is not on Russell Westbrook. It really isn't. So, uh, anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought, uh, for me personally, um, I thought that was a different way to see Russ that I haven't really seen this season on a consistent basis as far as how he reacted in the postgame show. Um, if you want to hit me on Twitter, always feel free to do, uh, do so. At Alan Sliwa, at Alan Sliwa. You have any thoughts? You want to give your opinion on Russ? You're a Laker fan out there. You feel a certain way. Go ahead. Feel free to do so. Uh, you can hit me on Twitter. When we come back, a couple things I want to do. I'm going to hit on. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Magic did say on Saturday if Lakers didn't make the playoffs, why the trade would be the worst trade in Lakers history. Um, I want to comment on that. Plus, um, what are our expectations the rest of the season for the Lakers and uh, as a Laker fan what do you want to see over these final 18 games? I think I have a pretty clear picture of what I want to see. We'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, is your vehicle due for a service? Head in your neighborhood Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change. 
For over 30 years, Valvoline has provided quick and convenient automotive maintenance services for busy people just like you. No dragging the kids to a dirty waiting room at Valvoline. You stay in your car, you stay safe, while the expert technicians make sure your ride is in peak performance. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out. All in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Appreciate Valvoline Instant Oil Change, one of our official partners on uh, on Lakers Talk. Uh, oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. So uh, we appreciate their partnership there. Uh, so one of the things I want to get into here real quick before expectations the rest of the way with 18 games left. By the way, Trevor Lane coming up here in about 10, 12 minutes or so from Lakers Nation. Always enjoy having him on the show. Um, Magic it was on uh, was on ESPN, and the whole crew was there. Mike Greenberg, um, Will Bond, and uh, Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, and Magic Johnson. This was before Lakers were going to take on the Warriors. It was a nationally televised game, ABC, ESPN. And Magic talked about how it would be the um, – it would go down if the Lakers didn't make the playoffs as the worst trade in Lakers history. So I, I thought about that for a second. I'm like, all right, first of all, if you make the playoffs, did you really accomplish something when the goal was – you're supposed to go try to win an NBA championship. You're supposed to be in that conversation. At worst, you got to the Western Conference Finals and you just lost to a really good team or something happened or an injury was the difference. Making the playoffs should not be the – that should not be the bar to determine whether this was a good trade or it wasn't a good trade or whether it was the worst trade in Lakers history or it wasn't. So right out the gate, I disagree with – how we're kind of describing the, uh, the, the, the characteristics of this trade, whether it was successful or not successful, or how bad was it. I think at this point that's really what you're saying, is how bad was the trade, not if it was good or anything else. Um, the Lakers could very well make the playing tournament. And they could also very easily not get out of the playing tournament. They'd have to win two games on the road if the Pelicans end up passing the Lakers. And I, I've kind of gone through this, and I'll, I'll do it a little bit later in the show, where the Lakers are in the standing, strength the schedule left, all that stuff. But the bar should not be based on whether you make the playoffs or not. Because if the Lakers hypothetically get in the playing tournament, do you know what you – let me just show you what the criteria is to make the playing tournament. The Pelicans are 10 games below 500, and they're going to probably make the playing tournament. The Portland Trailblazers are 14 games below 500. They've lost five games in a row, and they're still in the mix to make the playing tournament. Spurs beat the Lakers yesterday. Spurs still in the mix to make the playing tournament. It's not like the bar has been set where by making the playing tournament, all of a sudden you think that, hey, uh, this is awesome. This is not like baseball where you only have 10 teams make it and you get pretty much got to get north of 90 wins. Um, in the NFL, you know, there are outliers, right? You can make the playoffs and be below 500. It's not usually the case. We've seen that in basketball as well. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are two games below 500, and they're in the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. Even if the Lakers made the playing tournament and then got out of the playing tournament, tournament by winning uh, two games in a row, whether road, home, however it is, two games in a row, and then they went on to play the Phoenix Suns and lost to the Suns in five or six games. I don't think that w- that should change how we view the trade for Russell Westbrook. And the biggest beef I have with it's the worst trade in Lakers history has more to do with the fact I really genuinely don't feel like the Lakers gave up this stockpile of players 
let me give you an example. Remember when the Oklahoma City Thunder traded James Harden away? Well, there's a reason why that goes down as one of the worst trades in NBA history. It goes down as one of the worst trades in NBA history because James Harden ended up being an MVP player and a, a top five, top ten player in the league over the course of X amount of years. KCP, Russell Westbrook, or I'm sorry, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell are never going to fit into that mold. They already traded away Montrez Harrell, did the, uh, did the uh, Washington Wizards. Kuzma's a nice player. Kuzma has nights. Sometimes I look at the stat, I'm like, damn, Kuz dropped 35 and he did this? Wow, that's really impressive. But it's still t- it's still a question mark of whether Kuzma's going to be an all-star down the road. Um, KCP is a role player. This isn't the equivalent of the Milwaukee Bucks trading Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the Los Angeles Lakers or uh, Wilt Chamberlain getting traded to the Lakers. Now, in Laker history, you could look at, if you guys remember back in uh, that 2012 season where it was Pau Gasol, Dwight Howard, and it was Kobe Bryant. Lakers traded four draft picks for Steve Nash and Nash over the court, you know, and, and Nash pretty much got injured right away and only played X amount of games for the Lakers. The Russell Westbrook trade was a bad trade, but the Russell Westbrook trade wasn't you traded away an all-star or a future hall of famer or something along those lines. The Lakers went all in on Russ, tried and thought in their mind, Hey, we're going to have a chance here to go win an NBA championship. Let's go all in. They obviously sacrificed role players to go get a player like Russell Westbrook and uh, and it hasn't worked out. So nobody's trying to make a case that this was uh, that this trade was uh, uh, beneficial to the Lakers. But the worst trade in Lakers history, uh, I I have a difficult time trying to play it on that. And and saying that it was the worst trade if they don't make the playoffs. Well, if they make the playoffs and they lose in the first round, what's the difference? You were supposed to be competing for a championship, and obviously the Lakers. Um, at least uh, it doesn't seem like unless there's some kind of hail mary doesn't seem like they're going to be competing for a championship at any point this year. Okay, um, I threw this out there as well. What do Laker fans want to see the rest of the season? you got 18 games left. What do Laker fans want to see from this Laker team the rest of the season, the rest of the way? Um, I, I'm going to give you guys, by the way, hit me on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa, if you want to, uh, if you want to read that off and, I'll make sure to uh, to read it off, and uh, even if uh, I, I get to it tomorrow in the pregame show, something along those lines. Let me give you guys my my expectation the rest of the way for the Lakers. My expectation is this: you got 18 games left. One thing that I always want to see from this Lakers team, and, and this is not something that you're guaranteed every single night, and it should be a guarantee every single night. And unfortunately for this Lakers team, it's not. I should never have to question if I think the Lakers are fighting in a game or if they're not. That is one of those where Laker fans at Crypto.com Arena will go out of their way against the Pelicans when you feel like your squad stopped fighting. Um, They're going to let you know how they feel. They're going to let you know that they feel like you're disrespecting the game. That's probably the most important thing to me. You cannot control every game. You can't control the standings. You can't control what other teams are doing, whether they're winning or they're losing. Fight for these final 18 games, please. And, you know, my expectation, which, by the way, since that game against the Pelicans, I feel like they have done that. Um, I feel like, actually, let me make sure here. Did the Clippers game come after the Pelicans? Because maybe I'm going to have to eat my own words here in a quick second. Um yeah, they had a uh, they had a couple games after the Pelicans, so they still had that bad loss against the Clippers. I thought they fought fought against the Dallas Mavericks. I thought they fought against the Warriors. Obviously, got that win. I thought yesterday, shorthanded. I thought they fought against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So, I, I I do feel like there's a little bit more of a trend of okay, things are at least this team's going to fight here till the end. My expectation the rest of the way is: can you try to put yourself in a position where you're in some of these games? that the style of basketball that the Lakers are playing, we're not questioning their effort. They're putting themselves in a position that come fourth quarter, they're in these games. The schedule is brutal, Laker fans. The rest of the way, 
that is brutal for the Lakers. And you compare that to the Pelicans, who have the 26th easiest schedule the rest of the way, and the Portland Trailblazers who have the easiest schedule left in the NBA. Lakers now are the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA. They're at the number one slot. They were number two, number three, blah, blah, blah. They now have the toughest schedule left in the NBA. So with that in mind... Um, I want to see them give themselves a chance to build any kind of momentum. And we thought maybe after the win against the Warriors, they'd walk into that game against the San Antonio Spurs yesterday with LeBron James, but he wasn't there. We thought maybe they could start building some momentum. If, just if, and I know this is a big if, and maybe Laker fans are rolling their eyes out there as you're driving around or listening on the app, um, your hope is that you can build some kind of momentum before AD comes back. And then if AD comes back and it's uh, six, seven, eight, ten games, five games left before the season ends, that you're playing some kind of style of basketball that you feel like, okay, let's go take our chances. LeBron's been in the league for X amount of years. AD's been in the league for X amount of years. Russ is a 14-year veteran. Carmelo's been playing the game for the while, uh, for as long as he has. Malik Monk seems like a great asset this season. Maybe THT is turning the corner a little bit. Austin Reeves is an asset on this team. At least, at least put some scare in some of these other teams out there the rest of the way. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. You kind of roll the dice, you take your chances from there. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know if... We'll be sitting here by the time we're uh, the last week of April and the Lakers only have a couple regular season games left, and we're saying to ourselves, well, at least they're playing better basketball, or nope, it looks the exact same, and you know they're either just hanging on to make the playing tournament um, or they're in the playing tournament, and before you know it, a game or two in, they're out. Uh, either one of those scenarios can obviously play out. My hope is it's the first scenario that I laid out that this team has given themselves somewhat of confidence towards the final stretch of these 18 games and puts, even if it's an ounce of fear in some of these other teams, Draymond Green was saying this on his podcast, what was a week ago or so, that because it's LeBron, because it's the Lakers, that, yeah, you know, that, that could be a difficult out. Um, and and I, I don't need other teams to say that or any other players to say that. I just want some of these Laker players to actually feel and to believe that. All right, we got Trevor Lane. Coming up next, we still have, by the way, I want to get into in a little bit um, how Phil Jackson is still involved with the Lakers. I thought there was an interesting conversation Travis and I were having this morning about who's really making the decisions and how many different cooks do you have in the kitchen and um, and, and kind of Phil's involvement. Um, will the Lakers make the playing tournament? Winning time on HBO looks fantastic. And then the MVP race that we have right now in the NBA. Uh, All that coming up in about 15 minutes or so, but coming up next, the man, the myth, the legend, Trevor Lane, Lakers Nation. Stay right here, Lakers Talk, 710 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Want to welcome in a frequent guest. Knows everything you need to know about the Los Angeles Lakers, Trevor uh, Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. Trev, thank you, bud. Appreciate you uh, making the time. Oh, thanks for having me, Alan. Appreciate it. Okay, let's start with this. I um, spent some time on this a little bit earlier, and Russell Westbrook, after the loss to the San Antonio Spurs, 
Um, let's put the game to the side for a quick second. I thought his post-game comments, um, even really the, the nuances and the details of what he said, I even put that to the side for a quick second. I felt like Russ was honest, transparent, opening up. The wall was taken down, and whether that's just for one post-game show or that's going to be his mentality the rest of the way, it was refreshing for someone like me. I felt like we got kind of got behind the scenes with Russell Westbrook, and this is somebody that you can tell this season has obviously got to him and his family. And, and here's the reality. From a fan perspective, and I know you and I can't change what people do, there's a lot of idiots out there, and I think we, we, we know that and we realize it. What, what did you kind of walk away with, or what did you take away from Russ's uh, postgame interview yesterday? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as him kind of putting the wall down and being, I mean, he was, he was a little bit vulnerable. He was showing that because so far every, every presser that he's done this season, it's been nothing bothers me. I walk away from the game and I've got my family at home and that's what I'm focusing on and that's it, right? It's not, I don't take any of this stuff home with me. None of this frustration gets to me at all. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, is that real? Can you really, I mean, given the way the season has gone, it's gone worse than anybody could have predicted in terms of the Lakers record and the fit and all that kind of stuff. So it was that genuine or not, there was the sense that this has to be frustrating him to some degree. So then we got, I thought, a very genuine and very real answer out of Russell Westbrook, especially once he started talking about his family. And I think he opened up because it started getting to his family, the comments and things like that. Like you said, the the idiots, people take things too far, but I also think that it's okay to criticize Russell Westbrook and criticize the Lakers in general for their play on the floor. I just think there's a certain line that can't be crossed, that sometimes does. And that's what, what Russ is talking about when it's getting to his family. That's the line that can't be crossed. Um, And so that's where you get people acting like, like you said, Alan, like, like idiots. So it's it's interesting because, Trev, if I told you, based on what he said yesterday, that do you think some of this will stop now? I don't think it will. I think those – I think people, maybe even those that, you know, we're referencing here, they're going to think, oh, yeah, you know what, that got to him. Oh, I'm going to do it even more. And I'm curious how he reacts the rest of the season. Um, you know, in my opinion, I wish he – and he probably had done this as best as he can – I wish he would try to – I'm just going to ignore the noise, and I'm talking about you know fans and stuff like that. Let me ignore the noise. Let me control what I can control. Um, let me – and this is obviously – this is coming from his wife went out of her way over the last couple of days and posted a lot of stuff on Twitter, posted a few things on Instagram. Obviously, it's, it's getting to the family. Uh, but I, I, I'd be curious how he reacts the rest of the season because the, the – Lakers are going to be on the road a ton. They are always box office. And Russell Westbrook's a big-time name in the NBA. And let me use last night as an example. Last night was one of those games where LeBron and Anthony Davis doesn't play. He still struggled, wasn't efficient, had five turnovers, missed free throws. Um, uh, it, it was another one of those games for Russ that, like, it's been all season. How do you think things play out the rest of the year for him? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, it's not going to put a stop to it. Now, what I'm hoping it puts a stop to is the ridiculous over-the-line stuff. When we get into, like, death threats and things like that, that there's there's no place for that. No place for that whatsoever. I don't think it's going to put a stop to the, the word that he used was West Brick. Yep. That's what, what we've heard. Uh, that's been become, like, kind of a nickname for him as a way to kind of take a shot at him. And he pushed back against that and said he doesn't want that happening. But I don't think that's going to put a stop to it because it's people – referencing his play on the floor and they're critical of his shot selection and his shot making ability so i think that's a different category i think you're right i think it is going to continue to be a thing and how he responds to that is going to be is going to be important from here on out especially like you said on the road maybe we see it diminish a little bit at home based on what he said because some people will when he references his family his kids people will have sympathy towards that but on the road I don't know if that's going to be the case. So I think we are going to hear even more of it. Um, we've seen it in the past with players like Giannis Antetokounmpo, people uh, counting whenever he's shooting free throws, right? Like it's going to become a bigger thing on the road. And so how he responds and reacts to it is going to be, it's going to be important for the remainder of the season. And if he can, can block that out, we'll, we'll find out. Trevor Lane, Lakers Nation, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Lakers got 
Houston Rockets tomorrow. I believe the worst record in the NBA, the Houston Rockets. LeBron listed as questionable for tomorrow's game against Houston. Um, Trevor, if if I if I asked you what you're expecting the rest of the way this Lakers season, you got 18 games left. Um, realistic, as in what you think the Lakers can accomplish, knowing how tough the schedule is going to be, uh, knowing that Braun. Maybe he's in the lineup, maybe he's not. We're not sure when Anthony Davis is coming back. What would you like to see for the remainder of the season that you think is doable and you know, obviously puts this Lakers team in a position to just at least be a part of the mix when the dust settles and potentially be one of those top eight teams in the playoffs? I mean, in terms of the standings, I would like to see them stay in the ninth seed. I think the eighth seed has gotten too far away at this point. That would have been ideal to get up to the eighth seed and be in a double elimination scenario in the play. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So next best would be, okay, let's try to get home court advantage, at least in the first round of the play. And that would mean sticking in the ninth seed. So strictly from a standings perspective, stay in that ninth seed. Don't get passed up by the Pelicans. From there, in terms of what we want to see on the floor, it's really effort. You know, Alan, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but there have been moments throughout this season where it's felt like this team wasn't putting forth the requisite effort to compete at an NBA level. And I think that is something that has gotten under the skin of fans even more so than just the wins and the losses have. And those certainly do upset, upset fans, there's no question, but it's the effort. You want to see them going out there and playing each game to win, even if we're looking at this as maybe it's a lost season. We know they're probably not winning an NBA championship, but still, you want to see a team that you can be proud of because you know they're going to go out there and compete on a night-to-night basis. They're going to scrap. They're going to claw. They're going to do everything they can to get that W. So I think that's what I'm looking for most. Not necessarily did they win or lose, but did this team throw everything they've got at their opponent each and every night? I think that's going to be important to close this thing out. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what I hit on too. You know, I kind of – I spent time saying that, look, it's one thing to lose because another team just played better than you. It's another thing to lose because Luka just got hot and there was no answer for him. But the game against the Pelicans, the game against the Clippers, we've had other games this year. I mean, Lakers lost to the Spurs yesterday, but they had a game earlier this season. I think if you remember, I want to say at Crypto.com, Lakers lost by 28 against the San Antonio Spurs. We've had matchups where you feel like, I'm like, yeah, this team is just, they're giving up. Um, that stands out to me the most as well because if if a team thinks, and Russ has had quotes before, he thinks the game plan from other teams is just play harder than them. And, you know, th- that could be the difference of getting a W against the Lakers and not. Uh, that part has been the most frustrating because we know what the expectations were. We know this team was supposed to be competing for a championship and it's been this bad, and then you're questioning whether you know these guys care on a night-in-night-out basis, that's been a, uh, a tough pill to swallow. Um, 18 games left. To hold on to that number nine seed, how many wins do you think they would have to have? Pelicans have the 26th easiest schedule left in the NBA, or toughest schedule, however you want to describe it. Lakers have the toughest schedule left in the NBA. How, how many wins do you think they would have to win to hold on to that number nine spot. I'm, I'm losing confidence at the hold on to number nine because I think Pelicans yeah. are playing good basketball, and it's a combination of that, and we don't know who's going to be in the Laker lineup every night. But what do, what do you think they'll have to do to hold on to number nine? I mean, I would like to say go 500. I don't know if that's realistic, uh, given you know, especially with LeBron's status up in the air. I think the, the key, more than a number, it's you have to win the two remaining matchups against the Pelicans. There's two of those on the schedule. Those are going to be huge towards determining who ultimately gets the nine seed. So you win both those. From there, if you can pick up a few wins here and there, that's great. But winning those two games is going to be the most important. Those are the two most important games left on on the Lakers' schedule. So hopefully they have LeBron back for those. They can come out with some victories because that will go a long way towards securing that nine seed. Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation on Lakers Talk. Trev, what, what do you think of – we got a chance to see the Zen master, Phil Jackson, at the Lakers game on Saturday. Jeannie has mentioned in the past that she still you know, gets advice often from uh, Magic Johnson. Uh, obviously, Rob Palenka, Clutch Sports, LeBron James. You think there's too many cooks in the kitchen there, or do you feel like Jeannie um, you know, goes to the people that she feels like she can trust and – 
maybe not every decision or anything along those lines. She's got to go to these people. Um, do you think that is a smart decision, or do you think there are too many cooks in the kitchen? I mean, it, it certainly feels like a lot of cooks in the kitchen when you're talking about that many people that are involved in the decision-making process. But I guess we don't really know what the decision-making process is. Is it If they're looking at, hey, do we trade player A for player B over here to this team? Does that involve, I got to talk to Phil Jackson, I got to talk to Magic Johnson. Okay, let's, let's deal with you know, Rob Palenka, uh, Kurt and Linda Ram, but they're in the mix. Clutch Sports. I don't know if it's every decision has to go through each and every party or if it's more there's kind of the inner circle of the Rambai, Kurt and Linda Rambis and, and Rob Palenka and Jeannie, and if they're all sitting down and discussing things and then Jeannie gets some outside perspective from, say, Magic, from Phil Jackson, from, uh, from Clutch Sports, from these other places, I think that latter scenario is a much more plausible one. On the surface, I don't think there's a problem because you've got some guys that are some tremendous basketball minds and have a ton of experience in this in this league. So if you know Phil Jackson, it would almost be crazy not to say, "Hey, Phil, what's what are your With thoughts you on, on that this? one?" Because this guy's got yeah, this guy's got a wealth of experience. My only caution is that we have this pattern with the Lakers where they tend to keep everything within the family tree. They only stick with people that they already know and that they trust and they feel comfortable with. And there's some benefits to doing that, but I also think it doesn't hurt to sometimes step outside of that box and get some other voices outside of the franchise to get that outside perspective. That's something I would like to see, but otherwise I don't think there's a a huge problem with the decision-making, particularly if you're going to these guys that have this wealth of NBA experience and just picking their brain. I I think it's foolish not to do that. Uh, Trev, final one for you, and always appreciate you taking, taking some time to join the show have you got a chance to watch the first episode of Winning Time on HBO? Have you got a chance to watch it? I did. I finally got a chance to get to it last night. Um, I had a good time watching that. I don't know what, what you thought about it, Alan, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was, it yeah, was a good watch. I, I'm ready for the next episode, too. This is, it, looks, it looks really good, and it's been, uh, it's been great so far. This is uh, one of the things I've been talking about. You don't have to be this sports fan or a Laker fan to enjoy it. It's entertaining. And I think, you know, not not to not to think that HBO didn't keep that part in mind, but it's fascinating, it's intriguing for someone like you and me, and I'm sure a lot of Laker fans out there, uh, for that reason alone it's worth watching. But then add all the other elements of the Showtime era, that HBO is a part of the mix here. I thought episode number one was a home run. I'm looking forward to this upcoming Sunday uh, to see episode number two. So, uh, Trev, thank you, my man. Hopefully when you and I connect again, the Lakers uh, are 18-0. and um, They are in sixth place in the Western Conference, and we are on a – okay, probably not realistic. But uh, <laughs> let, let's see what happens down the road, but always appreciate the time, my man. That sounds great, Alan. Let's hey, fingers crossed. Hopefully, it happens. But uh, but any any event, we'll, I'll uh, I'll be talking with you soon. Sounds good, Trev. All right, that is uh, Trevor Lane right there of Lakers Nation. Always does a fantastic job there. Always uh, enjoy getting his insight. Uh, a quick shout out here: Valvoline Instant Oil Change, oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out. In about fifteen minutes, visit SoCalOilChange.com. For location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline instant oil change. So thank you to Trevor Lane right there. Two things I want to do when we come back. Number one, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Um, and also uh, winning time. That uh, has uh, been a great start to that show. We'll talk about both of those coming up next. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Uh, thank you to Trevor Lane again. As I mentioned, tomorrow Lakers got the Houston Rockets. So LeBron questionable for tomorrow's game. Missed a game yesterday against the San Antonio Spurs. Saturday night he played, dropped 56 points on uh, the Golden State Warriors. We'll see if LeBron can go uh, tomorrow. And really kind of the is this going to be reoccurring the in the final 18 games? 
Um, okay, will the Lakers make the playing tournament? I've had people sending me tweets on that for the last couple weeks or so. I think they make it. I mean, I, I, I want to kind of describe. Let me lay this out real quick. There's a great website, tankathon.com. <laughs> we were all very familiar with it when the Lakers were trying to get picks. But one of the things they also do is they play out the remaining schedule, uh, the strength of schedule. So Lakers, 18 games left, have the toughest schedule left in the NBA. The Pelicans, who are behind the Lakers, have the 27th toughest schedule left. I thought it was 26. They actually moved down a slot. 27th toughest schedule left. And then Portland has the easiest schedule remaining in the NBA. If you want to throw San Antonio in the mix because they're still within striking distance of the playing tournament, they have the 21st toughest remaining schedule left in the NBA. I think the Lakers make it. I really do. Blazers have lost five games in a row. Uh, they have enough of a lead on the Spurs four games where you think, like, all right, San Antonio are really going to come catch the Lakers. But I don't think the Lakers hold on to the number nine seed. I don't. I think the Pelicans are going to eventually pass them. Pelicans are playing good basketball. They had a game a couple nights ago against the Denver Nuggets at Denver. The game went into overtime, and this is with McCollum, and this is with Fallon Chunas, and, um, you know, obviously Brandon Ingram. So they got some guys that can play. Uh, no question about it, C.J. McCollum kind of changes the culture of that team. They needed scoring. They went out and got C.J. McCollum. So I think they're going to they're gonna continue to play good basketball. Trevor Lane said something. Two more matchups the Lakers have are against the Pelicans. So that could actually end up determining who ends up in the ninth place. Um, but I do think the Lakers will make the, uh, the playing tournament. So they play them March 27th on a Sunday, and then they also play them on April 1st on a Friday. So that week alone, Lakers will have, in a span of five days, they'll play the Pelicans twice. Um, Okay, uh, one of the things I've been kind of waiting to get into, mentioned it there with Trevor, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Is, Is there too many people involved in giving input, advice, um... You know, you could look at this and you could say, okay, there's the Rambis family, Linda Rambis, Kurt Rambis. You know that they most definitely, uh, Jeannie Buss listens to them. Linda Rambis is her close friend for X amount of years. Kurt Rambis, obviously the relationship there. Uh, We saw Phil Jackson, the Zen master, at the game on uh, Saturday. Sounds like Phil Jackson. Uh, Jeannie Buss goes to Phil Jackson when she has questions or advice or something along those lines. By the way, you ask me that, uh, yeah, I'm all in. Phil Jackson wants to talk. Uh, I'm going to sit back and go ahead and listen. I had somebody yesterday tell me in the postgame show, yeah, but Al, do you remember what happened with Phil Jackson with the New York Knicks? I'm like, please, let's not let's not do that. The Knicks were a dumpster fire before Phil Jackson. The Knicks were a dump, dumpster fire after Phil Jackson. The problem is not Phil Jackson. The problem is the Knicks. The problem is Dolan, um, who has no idea what he's doing. Uh, Phil Jackson, if he wants to give anybody advice when it comes to basketball, I'm going to sit down and listen. Magic still gives advice, or uh, Jeannie Buss has said that she had a conversation with Bill Oram, still has conversations with Magic Johnson. Uh, Obviously, we know uh, Rob Palenka, his exact role is to make a lot of these decisions uh, so certainly Rob Palenka's got a got an ear um, uh, for Jeannie Buss. And then, of course, you, you know the, the power and the structure and LeBron James and Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. So when I say it out loud, it does sound like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, and ultimately, I don't think all of them are sitting at a table when a decision is, is to be had. But I don't have any problem with Jeannie Buss talking to Magic or talking to Phil Jackson um, first of all, they're icons. They're icons of the sport and they're icons of the Lakers. Uh, I think if she feels like, hey, these are people I could trust, they are geniuses in the game of basketball, and I can throw some things their way and see if I could take something positive from it, uh, I think that's a good thing. Now, who's sitting at the table when the dust settles and all these decisions are being made? That part I'm not 100%, 100% sure on. I think this offseason for the Lakers will tell a lot of who's kind of running things, controlling things, who has the biggest voice, whose voice maybe is not as important. 
that's my opinion there that I, I do feel like as we get further and further away from this season and then there's a lot of big decisions to be made this upcoming off season, maybe that tells a little bit more of a story. But for those who have issues with Phil Jackson chiming in or Magic Johnson, I'm not one of them. Um, winning time I mentioned. How interesting is this thing? Winning time on HBO. I uh, did not even realize on Sunday. I forgot. You know the hype behind Winning Time started maybe a year ago that this was uh, that this was coming. And then I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter on Sunday, and I'm like, oh yeah, this thing starts tonight. And me and my girl, we kick back and we watch it. And I, I thought it was, and I said I said something to Trevor Lane. I really do believe you do not have to be a basketball or a sports fan or a Lakers fan to enjoy this thing. We just happen to be. A sports fans, uh, basketball fans, and Laker fans. So it's like a, kind of a perfect combination. Thought it's entertaining. I thought um, Dr. Jerry Buss's character is fantastic, even though it took me a quick, quick little second here to get out of my mind Step Brothers and, uh, and uh, Talladega Nights and all the other uh, great films that I'm accustomed to with John C. Riley. I thought Magic's character is off, uh, awesome. I think that's great. I'm looking forward to how things kind of transpire here and where this uh, show goes, but I thought it was a fantastic start. Cannot wait for episode number two. Um, the last thing I want to get into, and Laker fans, always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. The last thing I want to get into, something hit me a couple days ago. I think it was Bleacher Report that had a tweet out there that said, who do you pick for MVP? And it had three guys on there. It had Joel Embiid, it had Jokic, and it had uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the reason why it hit me a different way, what do all three of those guys have in common? They're the three best big men in the NBA. And there was a time that Anthony Davis better have been slotted in that conversation with those big men. There was a time that you're not having a conversation. If, if, I, if I told you a year ago, year and a half ago, whatever the case is, hey, best big men in the NBA, you are not having a conversation without mentioning Anthony Davis's name. And it just kind of struck me for a second how things have changed so drastically in the last year and a half. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for AD because I think some of it is just bad luck. The guy has not been around. He has not had the uh, opportunity. You take that that series last season against the Phoenix Suns. He went down. He got injured. Obviously, this year, finally comes back and then gets another ankle injury against Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. Um, but, man, th- th- has that conversation changed, and it changed so quick for the Lakers, and it certainly changed so quick for Anthony Davis, and that part's been disappointing. Hopefully, we get AD back soon. Hopefully LeBron's ready to go against the Houston Rockets tomorrow, and the Lakers could try to salvage what is left, only 18 games left in the season. So uh, we'll see how things break down. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Um, Tomorrow I'm back on with Travis Rogers, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., and then uh, we'll start our pregame show. It's an earlier game against the Rockets. 3.30 is the pregame show. 5 o'clock is the tip-off. Uh, So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Appreciate you guys all being a part of the show. L.A., as always, hope you have a great rest of your night.